Hi, and welcome to the second chapter, the podcast where Kristen Duffy, the founder and producer behind Slackline Productions, that's me, talks to women who started the second, third, or even fourth or fifth chapter in their lives and careers after the age of 35. Did you know that when you review an independent podcast, a podcaster does a happy dance? If you're enjoying the second chapter, leave me a rating or review, and I'll be dancing, yeah. This week, I'm chatting with Jane Porter, perhaps better known as her Instagram moniker, Planty Jane. Jane had various jobs ranging from barmaid to arts admin, but didn't feel like her career truly started until enrolling on a horticulture course changed her life. I know a lot of women who have got stuck in administrative roles, and those are quite often the kind of roles that people roll along in for a long time and then think about a career change and don't know how to get out of it. So I think just because you're, you've got the ability to do something, that just means, that's just because you're a capable person. It doesn't mean that that is your thing. Thanks for joining me today. It's lovely to get to speak with you. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. I feel really nervous. Don't feel nervous. <laughs> It's funny. Yeah, I feel nervous every time I record. And I don't know why, because I'm always just talking to people that are so amazing and so nice. But I think, I don't know, I have my own imposter syndrome where I'm yeah. like, why do they want to talk to me? Yeah, I, yeah, I've been having that really badly the last few days. But yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm going to turn it into excitement. Okay, good. Yeah, channel it into adrenaline. Yeah. I have to tell everyone that it was Dolly Parton and my friend Lizzie that brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> together. Yes. You recently posted on Instagram an amazing picture from nine to five about career change. So you seemed like the perfect person to come on and talk about your own life changes. I've been thinking for ages about doing a post about career change because it's such an important part of my work and like how I approach it. And that song came on the radio in the car and then that line, there's a better life, you think about it, don't you? I was like, there's, that's my hook. That's what I'm going to do post on. And, and I just love that kind of female camaraderie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, who I love, and Dolly Parton, and how much fun they must have had. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about. Yeah, and you definitely got a big response to that because I think, I think obviously it's important to me that we all – that life keeps going on and we keep making changes and we keep growing throughout our lives. But so many people commented and said, yeah, I agree. And here's what I've done with my life and ask you questions about your own career change. Yeah, it was. And and people sent me like private messages as well being like, oh, that really rung true with me. And I think the other thing about my, like the people who I am in touch with on Instagram is it's nearly all women. And so I've also I've got this really big female community there. And that's really nice because I think there's a, a lot of women like might have a career change after they've had a baby or or just, I think, have that thing where they don't know what it is they want to do. And so a lot of people just got in touch saying that kind of thing. And I think gardening or garden design is people are always saying to me, if I did something else, that's what I would do. So I think it strikes a chord with a lot of people. Obviously, that's my mission is to tell stories of women mm. after 35. But so many people, I think you know, a lot of people have said to me, why 35? And for me, there is the whole thing about women becoming invisible after 40. But I do think 35 is an interesting age because like you said, sometimes it does have something to do with having a baby or there's just a confidence level that for some yeah. reason that age 
just tends to start changes, it feels like in life. So yeah, I definitely think there's a big community of us out there. Yeah. And I love how specific this podcast is. I feel like it's just for me. And and I think you were saying something in one of your previous recordings about the word, were you saying it, it was like emerging? There's a lot yes. of opportunities for young emerging this kind of thing and like coming from an arts background like I do there's there's so many things for emerging artists and there's things for mid-career artists as well but I just really felt like there was no support really for for someone who was in my position and there was nothing specific and I, I just love that this podcast is tuned into that. Yeah I do I hear the word emerging all the time and and I think it is a thing in the arts now that we're saying like stop saying emerging and mean young <laughs> because exactly. mid-career to me doesn't yeah. mean mid-age it means yeah. someone who's a bit more established so I think we all are starting new things all the time don't make emerging about being 20 years old yeah totally that is my pedestal I will die on it <laughs> <laughs> it's true because it really it really fixes people you said to me that you didn't feel like you kind of had a career or you got started until you've now started this new business and career but I feel like you had so much going on prior to this you were doing a lot of different things and maybe you didn't see it as a career but tell me a bit about what you were doing before and maybe even why you didn't see that as really having a career first. Yeah, I think it's because it was quite kind of bitty. And the history of me getting jobs from leaving art college until I got a job at an organisation I really wanted to work at was basically that I just I just always struggled to get through interviews. And I couldn't seem to convince people that I could do something. And I wasn't the right kind of person or something. So that was really hard. And so I basically had this, because I I left three years from finishing school before I studied, um, before I went to art college. I I was very like, I moved to London when I was 19, because I was from this small island, and I just really wanted to escape. And I went to London. And I literally had a different bar job every week. I was fired <laughs> everything. <laughs> I mean, it was like I worked in five different bars in Covent Garden. Like we knew, we knew everyone who we worked in this restaurant. Me and the girl who moved to London, and we met this guy, and he ran loads of bars in the West End. And so we just knew. It's like the all the cocktail bars or all the bars in Soho and everything, they were just our little network. Like we could go into any of them and we'd know somebody who was working there. And it was all like, so I'd keep getting these jobs just because I was just like completely, I would have been out all night or I would have, I would just be like really miserable. Like it was, I don't know. I, I hated working behind a bar. To say though, that makes me, you're like my idol now because I'm such a nerd. It was like, I almost couldn't get fired if I tried because it was like, (laughs) I did. Technically I got fired once from a restaurant job and I actually talked my way out of it because I was like, you don't understand what happened. And yeah, it was a complete. Oh no. I talked myself out of it once. I used to work in this French restaurant in Notting Hill and I just didn't turn up one day and I. I got there really late and the boss was like, tell me why I shouldn't fire you. And I did this really, I was like, because I love this place. I, 
<laughs> He's like, okay, fine. Um, you can stay. But yeah, so it was all bitty. So I worked in restaurants for ages. And then I went to art college and I did loads of waitressing during that. And then I came out of art college and I went, I worked for a year as a temp. Fuck it. It was just so, I, I think I just turned to stone. It was so boring. And then I was like, I have to get out of this. So I went to do a master's and I moved to Bristol to do that. And I didn't want to leave London, but I needed to. I was knackered from doing all these jobs. And then I did a film MA in Bristol. And then after that, I still couldn't get any jobs. I'd be like a real triumph if I got the the box office job at an art gallery like that was a major thing for me and I only got that because someone else didn't want it I just couldn't people would interview me and they'd say yes you didn't get the job have you thought about going to acting classes to help you get through interviews oh wow okay (laughs) and then I did while I was doing that box office job I got a commission as an artist to do a project and it was with this like public art organization in Lincolnshire and I did this commission and I made a piece of work that I hadn't finished I wasn't happy with it and when it got shown I was I was just crushed by it being out there Mm. I'll never forget it but it was these uh, sort of public artworks cited all over the countryside in Lincolnshire and the audience would get on a bus and be driven from site to site and so I was on the bus (laughs) And we'd just been to see mine and I was like, that is just not, it's not ready. It was awful. And then someone sitting behind me, it was a sort of young guy with his dad and he, and I heard him say, that one was a bit shit, wasn't it? (gasps) And I was just like, oh God. And, And from that moment, I really decided that I didn't want to be the person, the artist with my name up. What I found I was much better at was being the producer the prompt the supporter the organizer and by doing that I felt and I was really good at that and so after a while I just did a few of my own projects but yeah I realized that I didn't want to be the the artist character it is funny because I feel like sometimes I love acting but sometimes I get this terrible stage fright to the point that I know my lines, but like, I'm really concerned that my lines are going to go. And of course, that just makes it worse. And, yeah. and, and because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, I feel like, oh my God, it's not perfect. People aren't perfect. So you can't be an actor and be perfect, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But I know the feeling because doing some producing work, it is really, it, there is something about getting everybody together and being able to be the support system behind it that's equally fulfilling it answered what I like to do which was to make things happen yeah a friend of mine always says Kristen you get shit done and that's I like getting shit done yeah exactly yeah I did all these kind of very mundane working on the front of desk and stuff front of house at galleries and then I got this job at the council managing the arts funding and it was just so administrative. And I think I was quite depressed at the time. It's always been an issue with me, but really, it was just awful. And after a year of doing that job, I just left without having another job to go to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to America. My sister had just moved there. And I was I went over to see a friend. And then Dawn 
was in LA. So I went over there. And while I was in America, I got a phone call saying that a job I had interviewed for before I left, the person they'd offered it to had turned it down. And I was like, this is where I come in. (laughs) (laughs) This, This is my line. So I got it. And it was like my dream job. It was like artist, film, producer. I'd done a fine art degree. I'd done a film MA. And I knew I didn't want to be an artist. I wanted to be the producer. And I was like, this is incredible. And I came home and I did that for five years. And, and I remember going for this, like, what do you call it when you go and meet your boss and you talk about how you're doing? Like, Oh, a, yeah, like a appraisal. performance review. Yeah. 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 So, like, <laughs> I went in for one of those and they so, were like, I'm having trouble understanding right now. Please try <laughs> I forgot she was here. She never works. I was going to say, is that like an Alexa or what is that? Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, I did that job and I had this like appraisal and I was just like, I love doing this. It's not even like going to work. I just love my job so much, like sickening. Like I was so happy. Anyway, got pregnant and I, when I went back, basically the organization was having to close because it had lost its funding ironically the same funding I had been working on at the council two years earlier and also they hadn't kept my job for me I can't really talk about it for legal reasons but I was made redundant yeah and by this time I was pregnant again so it was really and because I had to come off I, I don't know if I mentioned, but when I went, just before I went to America, when I finished that other job, I had gone on to antidepressants. And mm-hmm. I really do think they gave me an upswing that I needed. And then when I had my first kid, I when I was pregnant, I had to come off them very quickly. I only found out I was pregnant when I was seven weeks already. Okay. And I had to come off them in a week and it was awful. And so then I, I had the first kid, went back to work got pregnant again, made redundant. And all this time, I was really fine without antidepressants. But then I was getting worse again. And so then I got made redundant, I had my second baby. And I got a couple of quite fun kind of projects to work on when he was really, really young. They were like two or three months projects where I sort of managed a, I managed a film course for some for young people and I did this really cool digital art project in Wales just really random and I was like oh is this how it's going to be now and then literally nothing else came along and we had just moved into this house I would have to move to house five times with these babies like since I had the first one and we kept getting kicked out of a rental property or one didn't suit us or what yeah it was just moving and finally we, we got this house and it had this amazing well it had a garden and I just caught the gardening bug. And so I started I started getting really interested in it. But then what happened is I couldn't get a job. And then I got another job at the council. And I didn't realise <laughs> until I got there that it was the same job I'd been doing before. But this time they called it special projects officer. <laughs> and I was like, what have they called yeah. it before? What was I called before? Something like funding co- coordinator or something. So just to remind everyone, this is the job that you hated, yeah. like the job that made you miserable before. Crying in the toilets kind of job. So crying in the toilets, but now they give it a fancy, shiny new name and you're back at it. <laughs> I got there and I, it was like walking into house and being like, hang on, I've been here before. And I cried all the time last time I was here. And then it was just so bad. And then 
at one time there was this what what broke it for me was there was a there was a conference on of the whole it was like an arts conference and I was like oh great I get to go to this and I don't have to go to the office for two days I'm gonna see everyone I know it's gonna I'm so excited and then I got to the conference and I bumped into this lovely friend of mine Liz and she is an artist and she was like oh, I'm doing this brilliant project at a library and I was like wow she's really um doing great and then I, I realized oh my god I know everyone here and they're gonna ask me how my work is going and I'm gonna have mm. to talk about my job and I started not being able to stop crying like not sobbing but I couldn't stop water coming out of my eyes and I was like oh my god I'm doing this in front of a lot of people in a professional capacity I started panicking went to the loo there's a lot of going to the loo to cry went to the loo came out couldn't stop crying and I just started thinking shit something's this is really bad and like the Christmas before that I'd gone home to my family and um, my auntie was like we're going to go to this drinks party. I want you to come. You know how parent type people always want to parade you around and stuff. And I was like, I can't go. And I started crying. She said, what's the matter? And I said, I can't go because they're all going to ask me what I do. And I'll have to talk about my job. And I just just sat on the sofa and couldn't go. So anyway, I was at this conference, couldn't stop crying. And I was like, this is it. I've had it. I've had it with this. And I booked, I got an appointment with the doctor that evening. And I went and I said, I need to go back on antidepressants. Started taking them. And then within a few months, I don't know, I don't want it to sound like a fairy tale or something. And I don't know what the exact timing was, but I enrolled on a gardening course mm-hmm. just out of interest because I didn't know you could get a qualification in horticulture. I thought people just planted stuff. <laughs> but that makes sense. I always say there's so many opportunities out there. And if I knew about all of them, I'd be in real trouble because I'm interested in everything. But when you do find, uh, nobody tells you. I used to make a joke with my ex, like we, he spent some time living near the Coast Guard Academy in America, in Connecticut. And I'd always say, nobody told me I could be part of the Coast Guard. I don't think I want to be in the Coast Guard, but I wanted to know that I could do that. Yeah. You don't always get, here is everything you can do in life. But when you find it. I know. It was pretty weird. And I just wanted to do this course because I was interested. And mm-hmm. I, I really didn't think that it would it would turn into anything. I didn't have any vision for what I wanted to do. I just wanted to do this course to learn about plants. What happened is that I started to get a few like little gardening jobs and because my crappy job was part-time I thought what I'm going to do is fake like this video bit is really important phasing <laughs> you see what I'm doing so if you're hand over this, hand. I'm like what am I doing I put my hands horizontal and I'm like moving them slowly over each other like tectonic plates <laughs> it's like a slow motion version of that Tiffany dance <laughs> So I just basically built up enough work and then I got to the point where I was like, I thought I don't have time to do that job someone's just asked me to do because I'm working at this shitty job at the council. I was like, now I'm going to drop it. I'm just going to drop it because there's no way I'm not going to do that because I'm doing that. So I did, I left and I literally have just been flat out since then. I haven't got a website or anything. It's a little bit fly by the seat of my pants, but it's been, I have not looked back. Yeah. And 
of amazed because you have an Instagram account with a lot of people following you, but you have a really crappy Facebook page. Oh, that I don't never get that. No. <laughs> and yet it seems like people are coming to you and asking you how to do their gardens. Yeah. What was really weird is I think that was one of the biggest things that told me I was going to be okay was that, you know how I said I I would do interviews for art stuff and just couldn't convince people that I could do a job. Mm. With, With the garden stuff, it's people thought I could do it before I did. None of the people I was doing gardens for, they didn't ask to see any previous work. They were just like, they just believed me. And I was like, this, I have never had this before, but I felt so confident and so comfortable about it that I must have been convincing. But it was so wonderful for me because I felt like I wasn't pushing this boulder up a hill. I was rolling. It was great. Yeah. Why do you think, I just spoke with somebody a couple of episodes ago who ended up garden photography for similar reasons. So she'd moved around and had this amazing garden and saw it as an artist with the light and she wanted to take pictures of it. As somebody with, you said you didn't want your name on art, but you did have an arts background. So was there ever a moment that it was more leaning toward, I want to make pictures or paintings or, or was it really always, I just want to know more about plants? Oh, never. Yeah, never to make pictures or anything like that. For me, I really found, I got to the point where the art, let's say art world, wasn't what it was cracked up to be for me. It wasn't fun. There wasn't loads of parties. It was everyone's under pressure. Everyone's trying to get funding. There's an air of fear. And and so for me, I was like, a lot of things about the arts were quite detached from real life. And I found as soon as I started doing gardens, and this sounds really cheesy, I don't know how to put it a better way, but what I was doing, people were living with, and it was really part of their actual day-to-day life. Whilst I I found that things to do with art were less engaged with people and engaged with less people. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just liked the fact that people would be living in and using what I did for them. And so I, when I started thinking about it in terms of art, that's how I saw it, never in terms of a painting or a piece of, of work like that. I wanted it. It was about being in it. And you said something about um, the art world always, I know about this well, but the kind of air of fear and funding and everything like that. But I know you also mentioned to me before we were recording that you come from a family of self-employed people and you've found your niche in a self-employed, your own business kind of thing. How do you avoid that air of fear? Because I guess being flat out helps. There's always that sort of, what if people don't want my work or what if- it stops or sometimes I do think that but usually I one thing I do is the hustle if I don't have much work on I it energizes me to think that I need to go out and get work and generate it so I need to um, contact some people I need to do a post I need to call someone see if they need a help some help with anything I need to like I have there's loads of things I, I do that can generate work. And I think about those rather than what if that doesn't happen. I think having your own business or being self-employed is really scary for a lot of people. I get scared all the time. How do I make money? How do I continue this? So I think it's interesting that your confidence seemed to flourish so much more at a point that you could be really scared. It's not. It's easy in a way to stay in a job that you're miserable, you're going to get a paycheck versus 
huh, I'll just start my own thing and yeah. suddenly have all this confidence. I think for me, I I just get such a kick out of making money. If you, not in a greedy way, but just in a, if you've got, if you're working in a, in a job with a paycheck, like it's constant. Whilst for me, the more I do, the more money I make. And that is motivating. And that really, I get a lot of energy out of that. I think what I'm saying is it's proportional. Like the harder I work, the more I I get rewarded for it. That's motivating. My whole family is self-employed and I didn't realise this until I finished, until I started this. I went through every person and I was like, nobody works for anything else for anyone else even my mum or my dad's side and I think the other thing I realized a really long time ago was that things that I do on my own in my life work out really quite well things I do with other people may or may not and I'm not very good I'm really easily overpowered by another person and I um much prefer being able to make my own decisions like I used to do a lot of I trained as an outdoor yeah I forgot this whole bit I trained as an outdoor instructor as well like in the between going to university between school and going to art college and and that came out of having gone to summer camp for three years in the 90s and taught as and taught outdoor stuff my job was head of pioneering which is my finest (laughs) job title to date (laughs) And that time, and that that came out of being sent on an outward bound course when I was seventeen, and that came out of being forced to do Duke of Edinburgh award when I was fourteen because I got suspended from school for buying acid. Oh my god! Hold on, hold on. This is a whole story. <laughs> yeah, so it's really weird. It's like I got in trouble at school, and then they made me do this outdoor stuff, and I liked it. And so I've always done quite a lot of expedition hiking and like long trails and this kind of thing, quite a lot, mostly in the US. What I found out about myself on those trails was that I like hiking by myself mm. because no one else is relying on me. If I get lost, no one can shit on me for it. Or if I'm late leaving camp or if I lose something, it's only me. And I've always found that things I do on my own, I'm more comfortable with. I find as soon as I start doing things with other people, there's negotiation. Decisions slow down. I get frustrated, blah, blah, blah. I'm just a real just get on with it sort of person. Yeah, I don't have patience when I've done, of course, lots of things with groups of people. And it's ironic because I come from a really big family. Mm. And yet I just, when somebody's not ready to go and I'm ready, it's come on, it's time <laughs> It's time to go. I definitely understand that self-reliance. I, this is actually one of the challenges I have right now is that I've worked out that I can only do the amount of work I have time to do, which means if I get another project offer, that means I have to turn it down unless I expand. Expanding my business means working with other people. And I, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I need to expand because I can't... Um, some people in business, you hear them talking about, I, I wanted to stay at this size and all that kind of thing. But I definitely want to grow. But it's going to be a challenge for me, finding a way to do that and starting some kind of studio. I don't know how I'm going to do that. That's something somewhere at the moment. Does it come from some level of perfectionism as well? If you're doing it, it's being done the way you want it done. I'm I'm aware that like quite often other people have got really great ideas that I should listen to. I have this weird form of, I don't know if I'm a perfectionist. What I am is 
quite often someone who's a perfectionist will be quite myopic in what they are concentrating on. There'll be small pieces that are all really perfectly done. My perfectionism is what does the overall look like? Is everything working together? I remember once I was waitressing in the place in Notting Hill where I told the, the guy that I loved it. <laughs> and we had this really strict Serbian manager called Nana and she was really cool. And she just used to shit on me all the time about how I used to do things. And she said to me one day, look around. And I was like, yeah, everything looks fine. She said, those flowers in the vase in the middle, they're dead. Can't you see that? She said, you've got to see the whole picture. You've got to take it all in. And it's, it only had to be told that once. And I was like, this is really important to think, hang on, how does this look overall? And I think obviously that ties into aesthetically, like how I do a garden. But it's also, for me, I need everything to be working. I'm not myopic. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of way, maybe that is the problem I've got with other people, with working with other people, is that I don't know if I could give up one thing to, I don't know, I'm making stuff up now, but it, it is definitely an issue. No, that rings true. Yeah, it rings true with me as well. That's why I asked because I was like, I can't decide if I'm actually a perfectionist, but there is something about having, I don't know, some sort of control over the whole picture. Yeah. So I really like your creative idea or where you took things over lockdown with the consultation. I realized I, everyone was just really interested in the gardens because they were at home the whole time. And I realized how people really feel overwhelmed by it. And so I just did a few with some friends who, who wanted some help. And then it just seemed to be something that people really appreciated and really like gardens. It can be really overwhelming, like plants, particularly. I think people think, oh, they don't know about them. Will they die? Will they waste their money? And so I just thought I can do it's a little bit like holding their hand or counseling for their garden or something. It's a bit of like support. And I think that really helps people. It makes them feel like, oh, it's okay. I can do that because she's told me how. And sometimes traipsing the internet is a bit it's, it's hard work doing all that research so I just yeah. literally tell people what to do so you go online with them for half an hour or 60 minutes yeah. and then it's just do they so do they literally have a zoom call with showing you their yeah. garden or is it like okay yeah so, <laughs> so what we do yeah totally so beforehand we they tell me like what they want to get out of the consultation and then I'll make sure that we address that during the call so I'll tell them how to look after plants they've got that they don't know what to do with. I'll talk to them about plants they can put in. I give them suggestions that will suit the conditions they've got and will work mm. together. I can tell them, I give them layout ideas. Like quite often people will just be like, I never thought of putting that there. And it's because having a pair of fresh eyes on something is really good. And things with layout, saying, what about if you, things like, what about if you put your seating there? But it's so funny because some of the things I got met with when I said I was going to leave that council job was one person said, what do you think you're going to do, like design or something? And I said, well, no, I don't think I'm going to go around telling people where to put their patios. And that is literally what I do. <laughs> because I never thought when I was changing, I didn't think I was changing my career. I remember saying to one person, I can't just go and be a gardener. Like, how would I do that? And then that is what happened. And I feel it is quite amazing with the consultations because it's quite simple, but I think it really helps people. It's the support, I think. And not having yeah. a book, 
but just having an actual person who can cut through everything and tell you exactly what you need to know and also just listening to people and making sure you understand what they want but it's absolutely lovely okay I know I have a million things that I want to ask you but I want to make sure that I'm I'm looking at my notes because I'm like what have I not said or asked I did want to talk about your family relationships but I feel like we've skipped over that because it's obviously from all of your photos and everything, you and your sister are really close. And Mm -hmm. I know that your mom died really early. And I don't know if there's anything that is relevant or worth talking about when it comes to that. So do you mean to do with career change? No, just life in general. I really do feel like, because when you said that about the life career thing, I thought I try to advertise the podcast as who've made changes to their lives and or careers. Because I think what's really interesting is how your life led to who you are and what made those changes possible or made those changes happen. And I think it's really clear from your story, but I didn't know if there was anything, your upbringing or your relationship with your family or... I definitely found it hard to separate thinking about careers or past work and life story because things like having babies just really changed what I was doing going off on maternity leave was one of the big things oh and by the way I I should say that to mitigate or help mitigate some of those maternity problems at work I had I started this project bring your baby and is inspired by this amazing book that was written by these two artists called Andrea Franca and uh, Kim Dillon and it's called the invisible spaces of parenthood and it's all about the issue of childcare and working in the arts. And one of the things that they said in the book that struck me most was if somebody who, like say if you're an art student, I think it's quite hard to imagine how you would carry on with your career if you had children. And so this project I did, and it, and Kim initiated one in um, Whitechapel Gallery in London and loads of places do it. But it's basically doing gallery tours for people so they can bring their babies with them and it it raises visibility of parents in galleries and it just means that if someone is like oh if I had a family I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be uh, involved in art so much and it would be really difficult for me they see these families in galleries and they think no that that's how it would be for me that's how I would how I would do it I found that when I had a baby, um, it was really hard for me to stay engaged with everything that's happening in the cultural scene. Like our openings were at the worst time of day. Also, babies can't really sit in a serious talk that you might want to go to. And so I just wanted to open up some of these events and shows for people to be able to bring their baby to so they could feel less alienated. And, and also so they could either try something new, like if they didn't do that before they had a baby, or they could continue doing something that they are used to doing instead of having to take on this weird new identity of somebody who sings songs in a library, which <laughs> I would rather stick pins in my eyes. I just couldn't cope with these activities. So I just, I, it was like, I felt like it was like my contribution to those early, that early year, because it's for, it's for babies under one, for the parents. And so I, I did that, and I can't remember what your question was. <laughs> In a way, um, it was, is there anything story. else you want to say? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I agree with you that 
I think I don't have kids. And I think one of the things is I had such a hard time reconciling what my life is or was at certain points with having a small child. And part of that is going to a gallery or travel or, and the more I see people doing things like that, whether it is that there's a program that you can go to a gallery with a tiny baby or uh, cinemas that are putting on things where you can bring your kids and watch maybe a serious film, but it doesn't matter if they cry or laugh or want to get up and run around. Or my cousin is a great example of someone who packed up her baby the second she was born and continued traveling and hiking and camping and doing whatever around the world. So I do think the more people that do things like that and make it visible that I think, I guess I, what I'm saying is I think it's a really amazing feminist act because it does change who we can be as women and doesn't mean you have to choose. I can have a baby and therefore I have to stay at home and become a different person and go to the library and sing songs and stick pins in yeah, my eyes. That's exactly, I, I do see it as my feminist project because I, it, it really affected when I went back to work how estranged I felt from everything that was going on that everyone else was going to and seeing and and so it and and I felt like I was seen as a can't think of a good word latent worker like I wasn't as engaged as everyone else and so that's why I wanted to do it was to help women possibly a little bit out of that situation it's very niche I mean women in the arts I understand that but for me it was good and Everyone who came to the talks was super, super grateful because they weren't bored for an hour. They all really liked it and I just felt like it was good contribution. But I have to say, the amazing thing about it for me was that I was working in the arts again, but on my terms. I was, for every talk, so I would research the exhibition and put together an hour's talk for it and walk everyone around it. Now, I hadn't been able to actually research an artwork or an exhibition for years because that's not what art administration is all about. So Mm. basically, I got to just thoroughly engage with art in a way that I hadn't been able to for ages, share that with other people, do this feminist act, and, and I was doing it all on my own. And that's what I was going back to before. I didn't have to, and that, and it worked really well. And it's, good because it was cost neutral I would get paid but the gallery sold tickets so it it just worked and yeah and it doesn't take up a lot of my time I I would normally do without COVID maybe one a month one every two months something like that and I also might start doing them around botanic gardens oh yeah I love it so some of the things you told me before this and just being on your Instagram page has inspired me that I want to do like a new segment for the second chapter. I think you have five things on your Instagram page, but we've already covered one of them anyway, but like the things we would never know about you. Okay. That I make really elaborate cakes. Can we look at, are there pictures of those if we dig through, if we troll through? I don't know if I saw cake pictures. How is this possible? I completely stopped you. (laughs) I I can send them to you if you can't find them, but yeah, I love making very realistic cakes. <laughs> oh, wait, I did see one. What was it? What was the one I saw? It was something really weird. And I was, was like, it a this is so operation? Cool. <laughs> was it Anne Boleyn's head rolling off the block? Maybe it was that. <laughs> that you think I'd remember for sure. Um, How have I not seen this? This is brilliant. How have you not become a, a people who like weird cakes? 
uh, how is that not your business? I, I don't know. It's I just do them like for family, and they're really specific, like for that person's interest. So I don't know. It's quite funny. So where did I get to cakes? Normally, I'd say something about the hiking thing. I'm going from a couple, some that you sent me on email. I am um, not. T- okay, okay, go on, go on. Help me out. <laughs> I love that you can still do handstands because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can do a really good headstand, but Ooh. I fell on my face once doing a handstand as I was <clears> fine, <throat> but my face went into the floor. And so as an adult, I have a real fear of being up on my hands. So I love that fact about you. Yeah, I think when I was a little girl, I used to do them and I just never let it go. I, I should have just kept going. It's like getting you know back on the horse. I fell on my face and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I will never do a handstand again. Yeah. Sometimes I do think how bad it could go because it does tend to happen when I'm drunk. But I, it's happened and I've got photos. So. All right. I will ask you now about your quotes, but you did send me two quotes. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and you said, am I always looking for something from someone famous? Not necessarily. So I'd love to hear both. I was thinking after I told you those that really they are more advice. They're not quotes. They're like commands. You know what? We have determined that we like to tell people what to do. So okay. a command is a good one. <laughs> okay. One is just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think it relates to a lot of things in life. But for me, it was more that I've got, I've done loads of jobs. I'm, a very accomplished waitress I can carry a lot of plates I can work behind bars I can temping jobs I'm very good at admin photocopying excel sheets all that crap just because you can doesn't mean you should means sometimes I think you get caught or like work-wise people can get caught doing things just because they're good at them and then they might get promoted and people don't turn promotions down. And so I know a lot of women who have got stuck in administrative roles. And those are quite often the kind of roles that people roll along in for a long time and then think about a career change and don't know how to get out of it. So I think just because you're you've got the ability to do something, that just means that's just because you're a capable person. It doesn't mean that, that is your thing. Yeah. So I, I found that a lot. And things like, don't, don't be good at making tea because then everyone will ask you to make tea. It's like that. Hide the skills that you don't want people to know about. <laughs> I think it's very easy, particularly for women, to get into roles which are classed as service provider. And I've just, I did that for years and years. And then another quote or another thing that I like to think of is, start with the tools you have like after I did that post on career changes on Instagram a few people messaged me and they were like oh where do I get started blah 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 and I was just like I think it's important to start with what you've got don't think I can't start until I've got a van let's talk about gardening I can't start until I've done this training I, I I think if you get an opportunity take it and don't worry about what you don't have I remember turning up for a gardening job in like for the first year, I just used our Golf, the car that we've got. Mm-hmm. I remember turning up and, and someone being like, oh, well, I was waiting for the gardener, but I saw your car and I thought, that can't be the gardener. And I was like, well, it is. And I think you've just got to make do and then the things will come to you. Yeah. And then the follow on from that is basically just get on with it. I think that's probably how I do things. 
just get on with it. You know? Yeah. I always have this fear of kind of taking the the leap, but once I do, that's when things work. Um, it's if I don't know, I don't want to blame astrology, but if I was to say something astrological, like I have this Libra scales thing where I want to weigh every option and I want to think mm. about and realistically though, it's when I just jump into something. And because of all the things you said about being capable and being good at things, you just do it. And then it works itself out or yeah. you work it out. I don't even yeah. want to say it works itself out. I'm aware while we're talking, I keep thinking of friends I have who are in exactly the same. They're just like me, but they just don't quite know what their next thing should be. And I'm aware that while we're talking, I don't know if anything I'm saying is particularly helpful to people in that position, because that was the position I was in. I knew I could do a ton of stuff, but I didn't know what to do. And then this old boss said to me, one day, she said, choose something, just choose something and go with it because time is running out. And I was like, shit, okay, I just need to get on with it. And without thinking... And then I started training in horticulture. So what, but I didn't know that that was going to be my work. So I feel like I took her advice without knowing. And I think that what I would say to people with career changes is just do a course, a really small, achievable course in something that makes you happy, just something that you like. And and I think that is the only thing I can say that might be helpful for people who don't know what it is they want to do. And then my other, the other quote was this, I think it's Beth Davis, and in an interview, and, and people are saying to her, how do you make it in Hollywood? How do you get to Hollywood? And she just said, take Fountain. And what that means is, Fountain is the avenue that runs parallel to Sunset Boulevard, but it doesn't have the traffic. So it's the easier way to get there. But people don't go that way because it's not glamorous. They don't know about it. But that's like my kind of get on with it quote is just take fountain, just go, just get there. Just go do a little bit of research or whatever. But this is the easy route and here's a tip. And yeah. it really reminds me of this time Dawn and I had together in LA uh, when we were both a little bit, didn't know what was going on. And we had this kind of dreamy, like, three three weeks or so. And I just feel like that quote, because I was actually in that place, I just, it reminds me of it. So I like to think of it. I like that because it's, why make life any more difficult than you mm. have to? Yeah, you could hop on Sunset and be stuck in all the traffic, or you could just go for the route that makes sense. Yeah. Or there's more than one way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That should be my tagline. <laughs> yeah, I often it's, it's quite true, isn't it, actually? I've realised a lot that when you um, talk to people about their careers, it's very zigzaggy, quite often. And you can often point to a, a moment that's sort of like, I needed a change then. But it usually is something that it, it's not a direct route. It's not, yeah, I was doing this, then I was doing this. Promotion, I was promotion, doing this. promotion. I guess that's why this is important to me because I feel like I was on that kind of, it was easy getting promoted, making more money, but there was a lot of crying in the loo, like you said. Mm. <laughs> so nobody, yeah, nobody wants a life of you know crying in a toilet. There's more than one way. Yeah, I think. And I think I, I absolutely love stories about 
people who haven't started what they want to do until late in life, like Beth Chateau. It just makes me so happy that I know she didn't get going until she was like much older. And then she was like the most important woman in horticulture in her era. I I absolutely love a late starter. It, It fills me with so much hope. And that's what I would say mine is. I wouldn't say it's career change. I'd say late starter. I really would. Yeah. It can still be emerging. It's just emerging in a different right. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember I really struggled for a long time when, because I, I really love clothes and fashion. And for a while I thought, oh, I might like to do something with vintage clothes or something. And then like my sister started up a vintage dress company. And I, I was just like, it's like she's doing something that she really wants to do and I knew that I could also do that thing but I had this real like my depression came in the form of this like I visualized it as a that I was in a car on the freeway and that everyone was like whizzing past me in different lanes and but my car wouldn't start the battery was gone and in order to move it I had to physically drag it myself and everyone else was going like this. And so I had this thing where I could see that I could start that thing if I, that, that business idea if I wanted to, but I just couldn't get started. My battery was completely flat. And so, like, when, and then when I started on antidepressants, it just really did give me the ability to, and I don't know why, but just to, to act. I, I think it, it's great that you're, that you, talk about that and that you're happy to say I was at this point where that was something I needed because I don't think that's easy for everyone to say or to to talk about but Mm. it's depression in general but the fact that to recognize it and to even have this sort of analogy like this is what it felt like this is what it looked like there was a solution for me and obviously it's different for different people but yeah I think that's not always the easiest thing for people to talk about Mm. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because I'm still on antidepressants. I don't want to come off them because I need to function and I need to be on for doing my job. And I'm totally happy on them. And I really find it totally tragic that they don't work for everyone. I really do. Oh, I thought of another really good quote. That's the thing. People either are like, I don't really do quotes, or they're like, I have all these things. I just Go remembered one. Can I tell you? Yes. I did this. See, this is the thing. I relate plants to so many things in life. I took this photo of these flowers called hellebores. Do you know what they are? Yes. Okay. So they are so beautiful, but they look down because, okay, I'm just going to, should I just read you the whole thing? Yeah. Whoa. I was like, the shy, subtle beauty... Oh, God, it sounded awful. The shy, subtle beauty of hellebores. I used to waitress at events, and once at a dinner party, I served a guest who was so beautiful she was almost crushed by it. She barely lifted her head to show her face. Hellebores always remind me of her. They don't know their own beauty, but everyone who notices it sees it. They look down out of modesty, whilst more brash, gaudy show-offs have no fear of flaunting what they've got. And then I put, I've edited what I originally wrote here because I remembered who sums this up best. As Charles Bukowski says, the problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts while the stupid ones are full of confidence. And you thought this was just about flowers. 
deep. I think that really helps with imposter syndrome because I've always found that to be the case that like I go back to working in the arts where I'll be at some kind of big talk and then they'll open up to questions from the audience and I just won't put my hand up to ask a question and then someone else will ask a question but it's not quite getting to it's just like mine but it's not quite getting to the meat of what I wanted to know and I'll be like why didn't I think I could ask that question and that used to happen all the time but I think that it it it's it's very true that although I have to say I've tried to use this to my advantage because I realized a while ago but that just because someone's doing something doesn't mean they're really good at it just that they're doing it and when I made my change into what I'm doing I decided that I was going to do that I was just going to do it and I wasn't going to be put off if I didn't think I was the best I just decided I was going to do it. And because of that, if I was working with somebody who started to make me feel doubtful or that I got the impression that they really wanted me to be aware that they knew a lot more than I did, anyone who shook my confidence, I just moved on. I just, I, I didn't, I just surrounded myself with people who were supportive and positive and I just didn't have any time for anybody who was going to, take away any of my energy because I think for a second career you well for me because of my work before I have zero tolerance for crappy situational work I'm just out of there as soon as I get that I'm just like what is the point unless I'm having fun I'm having a really nice time I'm not interested because that's what I had before and so if I, I choose the people I work with really carefully that's really important to me and and I just and I just make sure that I'm around people who are, are supportive. And also a lot of the funny kind of advice I got when I was changing careers, they were like, oh, it's not very sensible. You've got two kids and you should probably keep your paycheck. And oh, you're going to have minimum wage. And I just thought, no, these are not everyone can get their head around self-employment. And that's where that's coming from. Not yeah. confidence. And I remember... Yeah, I don't know. I remember sitting around well, like, at, at my in-laws one Christmas. Everyone was there. And I remember looking around the room thinking, I'm the only person here who doesn't have a proper career. And I just didn't feel like a legit person or something. I felt so, I just hadn't gotten anywhere with my life. And now I feel like I've got this job that everyone understands, which is really important because when you work in the arts, no one understands what you do. <laughs> and it's really painful trying to have conversations about it and now I can have a conversation with anyone and it's just a really good thing for meeting people talking to anyone about it's really great I don't know if I've given you that impression (laughs) the thing that you said before about not wanting to talk about your job because it made you miserable basically Mm -hmm. you just cried talking about it or thinking about it or didn't want to go to a party and talk about it I do think no matter how inexplicable your job is. If you're really happy with what you're doing, you can talk about it. Not everybody might understand designing someone's garden, but I think the difference for you is probably, or I would imagine the difference is that you're happy about it. Yeah. it's. I feel like my life is much smoother now and it makes sense. And like I was saying before, I roll with it instead of with the arts. It was like always an uphill kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. It definitely seems like you found your right fit. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me. I've had so much fun talking to you today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I loved it. Yeah. I have a feeling this is not the last time I'm going to bug you to just hang out and be my friend. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks again for listening. The second chapter is just getting started, so your subscriptions and five-star reviews mean so much. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them, with a specific focus on women 35+. For more about Slackline, visit slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.